The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. Positive Talk Radio, I got to tell you, I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so happy with the guests that we have for this hour. Uh, I got to tell you, I, I get to do three. I get to do a radio show and two podcasts today. And all the guests are just phenomenal. And so I'm just Pleased as punch. And by the way, if you're listening now and would like to say hello to our guest, who, by the way, is Karen Thomas, and she is someone from behind the power, uh, Allison uh, Roberts event that's coming up in October. But she is so much more than that. And uh, as a matter of fact, I believe, and I haven't even mentioned this to you yet, but I believe that you were listening to one of the shows when I was talking about my dog Crockett. And I asked if Crockett was going to be coming back to me. And she said, and she said, no, but it's so, do, do you remember that? I don't know if I caught that up, but it may have been with Jennifer. Um, may have I been. remember talking about your dog, but I don't, I think I missed that. What, what was the answer? Well, the answer was that he wasn't coming back, but he had handpicked someone to come back. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. So, and so Karen is an animal communicator. She also works with, and you're going to have to help me here because I don't know how you do this. She works with hospice dogs. She works with animals in end of life care. She works with helping them over the rainbow and, and teaching people all about that. What, and I know it's your passion and it's in your heart to do that. It's got to be hard though, huh? Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's really not, it's so, so gratifying. Um, so I have to, I have to give a little background. Um, Please. I, am, I am still a registered nurse. So I worked, I actually worked in the human medical realm for 30 years. However, and that was, that was amazing. I mean, it was very stressful. I was very good at what I did, but it wasn't feeding my soul. Um, I first connected with dogs at the age of seven. So I was, I had my mom, I found an ad in the uh, local paper uh, for an animal shelter. And I said, like, take me here. <laughs> so that was where my volunteering started at age seven. And I knew I could connect with them. So even though I went down that career path of being a nurse for humans, at the end of the day, I always came home to my dogs. That was my passion. So I, I finally decided that, you know, as I transitioned from traditional Western medicine into more holistic methods over the past 15 years or so, I was working on humans, but I was always practicing on my dogs. And I thought, you know, since the age of seven, I always had a dream of having the sanctuary for old dogs. I had plenty of my old of my own dogs that had to cross the rainbow bridge over the years. And um, yeah, it, it, we just, you know, I do this thing called the best last day. I tried to make it as absolutely beautiful as possible for them, especially if we know it's on the horizon. So, but, but getting back to that, I decided to step back from traditional nursing and I still do a little bit of private care part-time and my main focus now is building the sanctuary and that is now coming to fruition and it is just starting here in my backyard which is amazing on a small scale <laughs> and i'm super excited about it well congratulations on on following that and following your dream by the way Thank carrie you. says hello and christine says hello yeah, uh, so yeah. it's great to have them listening listening to us and i appreciate that they also are with behind the power 
and yeah. uh, I'm looking. I'm. It's going to be a great uh, uh, program that you're doing in October. But yeah, how did? Oh, and and Anna Davis says hi, Karen. Hi, Anna. <laughs> and, uh, and but you built the. How long have you been trying to build a sanctuary? Well, it's the the seed was planted, like I said, forty five years ago, and then um, there were just a lot of obstacles. I was actually over the past couple years, I had an offer, an opportunity to take it out of the Keys where I live and get up in North Georgia or the mainland of Florida. There were some good options up there to build it on a on a large scale, and I was just hitting obstacles. So I finally realized that, okay, it needs to be here. It needs to be here. And the reason it's, it needed to be in this particular house, because this is actually, this was my mom's house and it was given to me when she passed away in April. So she was really. Oh, hold on. She's coming back. Okay. Am I back? You're back. Okay. So she always supported what I did. I have been volunteering with my our local SPCA here for 20 years. And she always backed that. And on any given Saturday, I would have a shelter dog here at the house swimming in her pool. Um, and I would say, Mom, whatever you do, don't come outside. There's, you know, I have a 95-pound German Shepherd who has no manners. And we're going to go swimming and I just need you to stay in the house. So sure enough, since she couldn't follow directions, she'd be coming out in her cane. I just want to see, I just want to see. She did that every Saturday <laughs> and by the grace of God, she never got knocked down. I mean, she was such a huge supporter of this. So I truly feel, I mean, I know this beyond a shadow of a doubt that the universe is like here, you are on a, a lot and a half, which is, very large for the keys. If you're familiar with the, the lots down here, they're very tiny, but we have one and a half times the lot and it's all astroturfed. So I've got three separate fenced in yards and I'm converting, or it's just about finished, converting the pool house into the sanctuary space. So it's like an oversized living room with a big sofa and several crates and more dog beds than dogs and a little kitchenette. It's perfect. <laughs> and they love every moment of that. They do. They do. It's so peaceful. It's it's just so incredibly peaceful. And I have two dogs of my own. So um, my female, who's very, very social, she's been helping me welcome my new guy, Bubbas, who I just picked up on Monday. And what did you call him? What kind, what kind of breed was he? Oh, oh. <laughs> So it's funny because Miami Dade thought he was a Mastiff mix, but I honestly think he is a cross between a manatee and a walrus. <laughs> Which, by the way, they, those are those are seagoing animals, and uh, he, must, he must be huge. He's about eighty-five pounds. He's definitely overweight. Um, he's just super slow motion. They think he's about nine years old. I think he might be a little bit younger. I got him home. I cleaned him up really well. And I looked at his teeth. His teeth don't really look nine. Could be wrong, but we're going to get him vetted. And he's just a really super chill old man. And he would have been, he would have been overlooked and overlooked and overlooked. So I went to Miami Day two weeks ago. And since I got my official 501c3 status, I can now, you know, partner up with, the larger shelters in the area. We have small shelters down here. Um, and of course I promote them and I work with them all the time. Miami-Dade has over 400 adoptable dogs presently, probably closer to 600 dogs. If you can count the stray holds and, you know, the dogs that aren't adoptable yet and the sick dogs. So there's a lot. So I went in last two weekends ago and I wanted to introduce myself to the rescue coordinators and let them know where I'm located, what I do, what my criteria are, and just take a tour. 
So anyway, she was overjoyed to hear that my criteria, my criteria are old, big, sick, end of life, difficult to adopt. So the, she was just overjoyed because a lot of that's, you know, that's why dogs get dumped because they're old and they're big and, but that's what I prefer. So there was a pod, they, they're corn, they're on, they're separated by pods. And she said, listen, I have to take you into pod G. That's where all the old guys are. I'm like, let's, let's do it. And she's like, I'm so happy that you take big dogs. They're so hard to get out. I don't care if you just take one at a time that helps just that one. I, I'm like, I'm on board. So I walked through and I was saying hi to everybody. And this little guy, um, my guy was just sitting in the corner and he just, he just had like, you know, infection just dripping out of his eyes. Um, he had skin infections, just, you know, head to tail, his tail was bald. Um, he looked, he just looked so pathetic. And I'm like, him, I want to meet him, please. <laughs> and, and they're like, really? You want him? <laughs> I'm like, oh really? my God, please. It was love at first sight. Oh. It was really love at first sight. Like we just, he, he just, we, we went in the meet and greet yard and I sat down with him and that, that was it. It was, you know, he cuddled, he loved, he just rolled over. He wanted a belly rub. He was giving me smooches on the cheek. And I looked at him and I said, how would you like to retire in the keys? <laughs> if you ask me, I'd go. Right. Yeah. Except for the except for the alligator snakes and uh, snakes and yeah. stuff, but uh, you know. yeah, yeah, you won't find that way down here. We're we're far from the Everglades. You're safe. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. By the yeah. by the way, uh, Christy says hello to you as Hi, well. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, I I really really appreciate the camaraderie and the teamwork that behind the power people have, and all of it's tied to. Uh, um, um, Miss Miss Roberts and uh, everything that she does, and so Allison is just a, an incredible human being. But I got to ask you because I've had to put two dogs down, mm -hmm. and and the first the first one that I did was my favorite, and it was in the doctor's office. And I promised myself and any subsequent animal that I would have to go through that process with that we would never do that again. Um, it was just on the, on the floor of the, of the, of the room, the, of the, uh, examination room and, and stuff like that. So I promised that would never happen again. And, uh, but I'm curious to know, because you've got an entire program that you have for end of life or the last day of the animal. Tell us, tell us about that, how it works and what you do for them. Um, so that we can learn from it and maybe adopt some of those things when our favorite friend it's time for them to cross the rainbow bridge. Yeah. So, um, I worked with a lot of, it's, it's kind of, you know, over the years. So if there's a dog, let me give an example. If there is a dog that we know is bite quarantined and we know that they're going to get euthanized, they have to put them on a 10 day hold to make sure that they don't have rabies. And then after the 10 days are up, they can be put down. Well, during that 10 day period, I mean, they're basically in jail. They're in isolation and they're just like existing. And years ago, I thought, well, that's who I'm going to spend the most time with. I don't I don't care if he bit, he bit someone. It probably wasn't his fault. He was probably provoked and he gave 25 signals that were ignored anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so I started spending time with those particular dogs and I met there was, I think, one in the past 20 years that was just really did not like humans. Like he just really, really did not like humans. Everyone else, they were great dogs. Again, um, I, I wasn't there. I don't know what the circumstances were, but I thought, you know, they deserve, they deserve just as much love as the dog that's at home having a grand life and laying on the, on the sofa. So I decided to start working with with those particular dogs and um, just preparing them for what's what's going to happen. And, you know, you did nothing wrong and you're amazing and your contract was up with those humans. But you they learned so much from you and there was so much love exchanged. But 
I just want to honor you because you are a bright light in this world. And, you know, I would just have these conversations with them and, and give them so much love and so much, so much praise really, because they're just amazing, innocent beings. So I decided I got permission from the uh, director of the shelter years ago that I, if there was a scheduled euthanasia, I can give them their best last day. Now, if it's somebody on bike quarantine, I couldn't leave the shelter. But if it was somebody who was sick, you know, end stage cancer, things like that. Um, we've had parties in the shelter itself. I've taken dogs out to, if they can handle going to the beach, just depends on how strong they are. We've done car rides. We've done the beach. We've gone for, you know, their last meal at a dog-friendly restaurant. We've gone to um, hiking trails. It just really depends on the dog. If they're very sick and very weak and they can't leave the shelter, I'll give them a massage. We do essential oils. You know, just it's really about honoring and thanking them for their presence because I truly, truly believe they they are our teachers and end of life is just as beautiful a rite of passage as birth i believe you know it is a transition it's transitioning from one world to the next and i feel it's very sacred and i feel it should be honored and um i was fortunate enough to sit through hundreds of euthanasias and i was i was able to hold them or hold their paw or just be with them and, and walk them over and let them know that they're safe. Because at the end of the day, you know, humans and animals, we just need to know that we're safe. If we know we're safe, we're fine. And once they know they're safe and loved and honored, they seem to transition very easily. And I've had clients, I have private clients who just couldn't do what you were just describing, sitting on the cold floor of a veterinary office. So I would offer to do that for them if they couldn't. Um, sometimes I would sit with a family and just hold space. I've already played crystal singing bowls while euthanasia was in progress. I've been present at home euthanasias. Um, yeah, there's just so many different, different options. So we just try to make it as sacred And she is frozen just a little bit. She comes back. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and I got, I got Karen, by the way, we're talking with Karen Thomas, and she has just opened a uh, sanctuary uh, in in where she lives. And, and she is an animal communicator. She's a, a nurse that used to work with people. Now she um, nurses animals and that sort of thing. And you've, you've, you've been around hundreds of euthanasias, right? Mm -hmm. You know, after being around them that much, you can a couple of things because there are, there are still, and I understand it. I don't get it, but there are still people in this world who do not believe animals have a soul. And you've, you've been through a lot of circumstances where animals have crossed over. And I'm willing to bet sitting here that you have no doubt that animals have a soul. No doubt. I think they're much more elevated than humans, honestly. <laughs> they, you know, I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah, I think they are a higher um, a higher being in, in that they can practice absolute absolute present moment mindfulness, you know, where they're they're just they can they're always in the present moment. They're not thinking about the past, worrying about the future. Um, absolute, pure, unconditional love. They, you know, the owner can beat them one day, but they're going to go back. Sadly, they still love that human. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're incredibly, sen incredibly sensitive beings. And yes, they have big, giant, beautiful souls. And uh, as validation of who you are, when my Bubba was transitioning, we had many dance parties for him over Zoom. She even sent roses to him. And she says that you're amazing, and I don't doubt that a bit. I think you are. Um, and you know, when my when my when both of my fellows passed, and by the way, 
after Crockett passed away and, and we had the experience in the veterinarian office, uh, I had another, my next dog was a border collie who was with me for 14 and a half years. And when it was time for him to go, um, I invited them in, in, in the Seattle area. And there may be more places that you can go. There are people who will come to your house. And so we, she came to my house. I think I've told this story before, but it bears repeating if you weren't listening. Um, she came to my house. And first of all, I am in to music a lot. And I listen to music all the time. And uh, when um, the day that I determined that it was my son was out of town, I didn't want him to be, have to be part of that because uh, it can be a very traumatic experience. Um, and so I, I decided that that was the day. And so I called this particular service that I'd been referred to and they, and the doctor was going to come out and, and, and euthanize him in the house in on his bed while he was happily looking out, out and music started playing. And there were several songs that kept repeating. It seemed like that were like, I'm going home. Like there's a, and I'm, it's time to go home now, or I'm excited to go home. Home was kept because I, we, he knew, I feel that he knew that day that I was going to send him home. Absolutely. And they do speak to us through music. So there is no coincidence about that. And it was confirmation. Like you were, he was ready. Yep. And I do believe that there is not an animal or human that leaves this earth a minute before or a minute after they're supposed to. I agree with you hundred percent. And what was interesting about that is the, the, the poor veterinary uh, uh, person that was there because she was in the Well, two things. I have a rather sick sense of humor sometimes. And uh, just, just so <laughs> if you've been around me enough, you'll, you'll know. And, and she was in the middle of, she was in the middle of administering the first shot in her protocol. There were two shots. One was for him to go to sleep. Yep. And the other one was, to give him enough of an overdose so that right. uh, so it was pain free right. and she was had just finished the first one he was had just gone to sleep she had just beginning to administer the second one and i said has anybody ever stopped you at this point <laughs> and she, she looked up at me like do you don't don't you be the first uh, so but in any event so he uh, he was very peaceful and and he but in both cases his eye their eyes were slightly open and i don't know if you've experienced this as well sure. i i saw the light when he passed i saw the light leave his eyes mm -hmm. yeah. and that's how i knew that he had a soul and that he was going to be with my dad who had passed two months earlier Aww. and and they were they were buds and so I know that he was, he's up there with him and uh, they're, they're waiting for my return, which shall not be too soon. <laughs> That's right. I love that story, but you're right. It's, it's like the lights go out, the lights go out and you, you know, that moment when the soul lifts, like you can just feel it. So in your particular case, you saw it and that's very beautiful. And it was a, and it turned out to be, as as difficult as it was it was a it was a good experience because he'd had a wonderful life and uh he was to the point where you, you know i know you've been around a lot of border collies mm -hmm. and they are driven yeah. they're absolutely driven to to play catch yes they need and, a job a job and then another job on top of that yes and yeah. uh it was to the point where i would throw the ball and just like 10 feet and he would go get the ball and then lay down because it, it, it hurt him to, to walk so, so much. Um, so, you know, there is a time for when they go, do you have a sense for when that is um, generally? Yes. Except for when it's my own. Oh yeah. Except for when it's my own, then I have to ask for outside help. Um, but yes, all the time I have clients that, and I'm sorry, my dog is barking in the background. I hope he's, you don't hear him. <laughs> he's in the, it doesn't, doesn't matter. This is a live show and we love dogs. Yeah. So you're good. 
<clears throat> so I do have clients often, I'll give you an example. This just happened a couple weeks ago. Um, it was actually a really sad story. I was working with a woman whose dog was about 15 years old. She was, she was a trooper and she was about a 65 pound dog. So that's a pretty up there in age. And, um, she said, how will I know when it's her time? And I said, she will give you, she will let you know. She will be there. You'll know, you'll see the signs. You'll see the signs. So I get this text about, it's actually a really sad story. So I'm hoping I don't make you cry. <laughs> so I get this text, um, frantically about, I don't know, this was, like I said, a couple weeks ago. And she said, can you call me right away? Roe is dead. So I couldn't call her right away, but um, I contacted her and I found out that the dog walked into the water. They live on a lake and she was in the house. Now in 15 years, the dogs never walked into the water. She hates the water. And um, the woman was in the house and she looked out the window and she saw her dog walk in the water, go down and drown. Oh my. <clears throat> yeah. So fast forward, um, I taught, I spoke to her that day. She was very distraught. She didn't remember anything I said. I just helped her, you know, help helped her come to peace with what was. And then when I talked to her a few days later, we sat down and she was telling me that there were so many signs, but the dog, or I'm sorry, but she was in so much denial that she didn't see it. What she described to me, the dog had been having neurological. When I tapped into the dog, I felt like she had a neurologic event that morning, a stroke, an aneurysm, something just clicked in her brain. I felt this horrible headache and a lot of confusion. And I feel like the walking into the water was just sheer con confusion. And I feel like there were some seizures, seizure activity. And I explained that to her. And when she's like, you know, you know, she was acting weird last week when the kids are over and she described activity, which sounded like a seizure, you know, maybe not a grand mal seizure and some confusion. So there were signs, you know, but some people, again, denial is very, very strong. And if you don't want to see it, you know, you may not. So that's, I do come in play often. People will call me and say, I have no idea. Is it time? And then that's really helpful to get an objective because I can come in without, I'll come in with compassion, but I won't have emotional entanglements to the situation so I can be objective and and just check in with a dog and feel where they are. Which, which is a really cool skill to have. Um, years ago when I was doing the show on KKNW, um, I had a, a had a gal that would, that was a psychic medium, but could also communicate with animals. And uh, my sister called, and she had a little dachshund that was like sixteen years old. And um, Kim said, "Yeah, well," and she was asking her if it was time. And and Kim said, "Yeah, well, you know, it's close. It's close. You probably got a couple of months, and then I would uh, seriously consider it because it's going to go downhill fast after that." Well, my sister took that advice and threw it right in the garbage can. Uh, because it's like you're and you were right. She was too close to it. She was too emotionally involved. And so the the dog started losing weight, stopped using the, the outside to go to the bathroom, uh, did, you know, all of those stuff and, and lost. This is a little dachshund and it lost like 10 pounds or eight pounds or whatever, like half his body weight before they made that decision to put her down but they in the meantime that dog was suffering a whole lot yeah and needlessly and so that was that was really was a sad a sad moment in time and we're hoping that karen are you back yeah i can hear you every time it it freezes i can hear you it just oh, okay then we'll just keep talking and, and yeah, stuff we'll just keep talking through it um yeah. you know that, that i something a concrete tool that my vet taught me about 20 years ago which I pass along to my clients when they're getting to that stage where they're, you know, getting older and having issues and pain. I have to mark on a calendar, you know, if it was a good day or a bad day or a 50, 50 day. 
And then at the end of the week, you can go back and look at the calendar and literally see, you know, how many good days versus how many bad days they've had. And then once the bad days start overpowering the good days, you know, you're getting close, right? Um, what we have to re remember or keep in mind or learn, I should say, is that animals don't view death the way we do. Right. Right. So it's very natural. The cycle of life is very, very natural for them. And they don't, I don't ever feel a sense of fear. Um, of course, if there's a tragedy, yes. But I mean, with a natural death or um, I don't feel a sense of fear. You know, it's just, it's just nature. It's very natural. So that's why I try to make it as beautiful as possible, because I believe innately they know that it's the cycle of life and it's it's a natural transition so let's let's make them as comfortable as possible but yeah the humans need far more help and counseling and work getting through it than they do really honestly well we we as humans have got this thing called fear because you know a lot of us it's like if we had the understanding that we transition, it's our body. You know, John Edward, the psychic medium, um, says it really well. And when he says, you know, it's it's like a it's like a used car. When uh, the car stops working, you get out of the car, you shut the door, you leave the car, and you go find another car. That's the exact same thing that happens to us. But what we do is we're I don't know where I'm going. Am I going to heaven or am I going to hell? And is it going to be painful? Is it going to be this? and all that stuff? If rather than saying that we know where we're going. And uh, and stuff. So we we inject all of that into our own psyche, don't we? Yes, we do. We do, and that does create a lot of fear. It's fear of the unknown. Yes, and they they is it that they don't fear the unknown, or is it that they don't have the unknown? Does that make sense? Well, what what my experience is is since they live in the present moment, they're not thinking about where they're going because. They're just here, right? So if you're, if if we're thinking of where do we go after we die, that's us thinking about the future. Animals don't do that, right? Well, and it, it is counterproductive after all. Yeah, it is, and they live in a world of of you know pressure release. It's pressure release. It's very simple. Like their world is very simple. We we like to complicate things. You know, we are very complicated. They aren't. So um, yeah, they just trust what is which is a big, big, big lesson that we can learn from them. You know, they just trust what is. I've no, I'm actually, now that you say that, I've never had an animal, I never picked up sense, sensed from an animal that they were worried or concerned or it's just so, it's just complete acceptance of what is. In your, in your world, when you communicate with an animal, how does that work for you? So I get my information through a lot of pictures and movies. So I will see something play out in my head. And sometimes I hear, I hear things um, and, or I'll see words, but I mostly see pictures or played out in a movie. So I'll give you an example, using the dog that passed away a few weeks ago. When I was talking to her mom a couple months ago, she said, uh, we were talking about bucket listing her because she was 15 and she was, you know, we wanted to bucket list her. So she told me that her favorite thing, the dog told me that her favorite thing to do was go on car rides. So I told her mom that. And her mom's like, yeah, but, you know, with her arthritis and she's 65 pounds and she's really heavy and I don't want to hurt her. And that's too jarring on the joint, like all these excuses. So while she's going through all these excuses, the dog shows me a movie of her mom carrying the dog bed. It was tan and had like flowers on it, I think. Carrying the dog bed out to the car, reclining the passenger seat, putting the dog bed on the car and letting her step into it. Done. And she was fine. So after she went on with all of her excuses, I said, so Ro has a suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> at, which, at which time she was about ready to call the medics on you. Yeah. <laughs> I said, Ro suggested you take the 
tan dog bed that has little embroidered flowers on it that she loves and it's round and you put it on the front passenger seat and you recline the seat and all you have to do is help her in a little bit because the front seat's lower than the back seat and she'll be fine on the front seat and then she can like look out the window and be right by the ac vents and you can do all the fun things together she's like hmm okay we'll try it well i got pictures and pictures and pictures <laughs> she's like i can't believe that oh my gosh it's so perfect she loves going on cars. i said yeah i know she loves going on car rides. <laughs> So, did, it, did it dawn on her that how did you know that there was a tan bed with little with little flowers? Yeah, on? no, because she called me for a reading. And I think when people reach out to me for an animal communication reading, like they know anything can come up like they know. Right. <laughs> so we actually had we actually had a session, a scheduled session together. Yeah. So she was just like, huh, I haven't thought about that. But so that's that's the way that information comes to me. I also feel so if a dog is having back pain or nauseous, I will feel nauseous or I will feel pain in my back or I'll get a like ping in my ear and then I'll tell me there's something going on with the with the ear. Um, yeah, and it, and sometimes it's just a knowing. And sometimes I see things. So it does, the information flows in from all different directions. And well, I, never, I never know what I'm going to get. That's kind of like a box of chocolates. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never know what you're going to get. Yeah, you don't. Um, and it's fun. And, and the animals say the funniest things. Like some of them are so funny. And they have dry senses of humor. Like you wouldn't think. I mean, seriously. You would give us an example. <laughs> Um, you know, a lot of times it's with cats. I was reading a cat yesterday and I just looked at him and his mom was so worried about him. And, um, she said, how, you know, how does he feel? Cause I've been leaving him alone so often and I've been traveling and I feel horrible. And he looked at me, I'm looking at a picture. He looked at me and he said, who does she think she is? I take care of myself. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, "Yeah, that about sums it up." So it's it's pretty funny. <laughs> well, yeah, that old saying that uh, um, dogs have masters, cats have staff. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, you know the cats they they can do fine by themselves as long as you give them a place to go, or they'll choose a place to go, or yep. and food. Very independent. Now. Um, I am owned by my German Shepherd Cross. German Shepherds have have staff, and um, <laughs> Peyton. That's because they're German. That's right. There you go. Peyton Rose is a German Shepherd who was the inspiration behind the name Peyton's Promise, and she was my special needs girl that I took care of at. Um, it was 2020. It was through the pandemic. Like I met her prior to the pandemic, and then she passed about seven months after, and I worked with her in between. But every time I would go to the shelter and work with her, she would scream at me and she would just bark in my ear. And I heard her saying, would you just open the sanctuary already? <laughs> would you just open it already? She was in such a bad way and she was, her health was really poor, but she, that breed, um, German she shepherds in general don't do well in shelters because they're just it's like your dog, you know, border collies. They just go, go, go. They, they're always in their head. They're always thinking they need things to do, go, be, places to go, people to see. They just don't do well. And she was, she was one of those dogs. So she was the inspiration to really jumpstart jump start this, like kick this into gear for me. So I have her to thank. <laughs> well, congratulations on getting your um, 501c3. Thank you. That, that's a big deal. And if, if somebody who's listening now or in the future would like to, you know, I don't know, donate to the process and help you defray some costs, how can they do that? That would be amazing. I have a donate button on my website, um, PeytonsPromiseSanctuary.org. PeytonsPromiseSanctuary.org. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a, a Venmo link on my website. I, so I have a Venmo and I also have a um, PayPal. 
so that very good and if, i please if you, if you have got if you've got it in your heart and you have the means donate because i can tell you karen's heart is pure and she's really interested in the welfare of these dogs that nobody quite literally nobody else wants quite Thank frankly you, Kevin. i appreciate that thank you and i i do i i really do take on um, I'm willing to take on the biggest challenges. I mean, a, a big reason that dogs get surrendered to the shelter is their family can no longer afford the medical care. Yeah. So that happens. Um, I had a, well, this was our personal, personal dogs. I had, um, uh, she was my mom's emotional support dog. She was a black lab and she wound up getting, having a brain tumor and wound up the as the the more the brain tumor grew the more frequently she was having seizures so i would be running around shooting my dazzle up her nose and i mean like i she's coming back i promise she'll be here in a sec had a medical <laughs> okay i said i was transporting dallium to places i shouldn't have been transporting dallium but i had to have it on me it was the dog right and she went everywhere my mom went so thank god i never got pulled over but um i do and with that it does incur medical bills so you know it comes with the territory you take the sick dogs they're gonna have they're gonna have um bills but but i wouldn't have it any other way and i make sure that they they eat really clean food um, they get, you know, we have an amazing person down here, a pet nutrition coach who makes all of her food homemade in Key West. And I buy in bulk from, from her for my dogs and the sanctuary dogs. And everybody gets, you know, therapeutic grade essential oil massages and baths. And we don't skimp. Like if they're going to, if they're going to come and live out their days in peace, love and happiness, you know, they're going to get they're going to get the best care. Oh, I that's just awesome. That. Yeah. <laughs> that is just because, because and oftentimes an animal that is given up to a shelter because they can't afford the medical bills, they haven't been eating right either because they're buying cheap food from the grocery store and, exactly. and stuff like that. And, and that's don't buy food yeah. from a grocery store. That's all I can yeah. tell you. I wish I try to educate. One of my big things is to educate and there's so many things to educate on, but I try to tell my clients, like if you buy the more expensive food in the beginning, you're going to save on vet bills later, you know, cause it's, there's arthritis and inflammatory foods and obesity and just a, just a array of health issues that happen when you try to save, save money on cheap, cheap food and then the dog suffers and yeah i've seen that <laughs> by the way do you only accept dogs at the sanctuary currently yes <laughs> she needs to grow another floor to the sanctuary and have right. a floor. Well, i don't know what do you have in mind i can be easily persuaded <laughs> i well, love cows I, and i just wanted to follow up with the food thing because i've done some research on it and i've had people on the various shows that I've done and, and a couple things. Um, and tell me if I'm even close. First of all, if you do have to have an, your animal friend euthanized so that they can cross the rainbow bridge, please have them cremated. Uh, because if they, if they don't, they, depending on the place where uh, the euthanasia is done, they can go to a rendering plant. And if they go to a, an animal that goes to a rendering plant, uh, gets reduced down to bone meal. And then that gets placed back into the pet food that you buy from the grocery store. And you're nodding, so you are, are approving of that. So please, I know it's a little bit more expensive to do a, a, um, um, a cremation, but please, for everybody else's health, please do that. Um, and what else other advice do you have? You can do a mass cremation. So if you don't want to spend the money on an individual cremation, you can do a mass cremation where a bunch of them get cremated together. You can recommend request that through your vet. Um, but I, I wanted to add what you just said. That is so true. And think about the so not only is the rendering plant grinding up 
the euthanol, um, all the meds that were given, but you're also all of the cancer cells and the tumors and the infections and the bacteria. I mean, it goes on and on and on what is in the food. So that could be a whole podcast on its own. <laughs> well, and, and I'll tell you, we used to buy a, a advertised brand from the grocery store for my dog Crockett. And we thought that that was an appropriate thing to do. Um, and he died of stomach cancer at eight years old. Um, because, and it, it, at that time, it was the size of a grapefruit that was, uh, that was next to his stomach. And I attribute that to the food that we gave him because it was just dry food from the grocery store. Um, you can, you can go, to, go talk to a specialty shop or Mud Bay or whatever specialty shop in your area, and they can send you to the right food. doesn't have to be all that expensive, but the right food that doesn't have any of the byproducts and any of the bone meal and all that kind of stuff that they use to put into those foods to cut their cost, which is why they can sell cheap food. Yes. Amen. And thank goodness that the market is getting competitive. So there are a lot more brands on the market now that you can trust. You just want to stay away from that word meal. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so let's talk about what you're going to talk about at Behind the Power. So it's going to sound totally unrelated, but I promise it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to be focusing on surviving narcissistic abuse. Oh, that's a that's a big deal. We need it, some of that these days. It is a big deal. And how it circles back to dogs is because through um, my history with codependency and narcissistic abuse in my lifetime, I've always gone back to the dogs for healing and comfort. And they've always been, you know, we heal with each other. So that's kind of how it relates, how it's going to circle back to the sanctuary. But I'm hoping to inspire humans to be able to stand in their power and know that they are they're worthy and they don't deserve that kind of treatment because for a really long time i thought i deserved it you know th that is a common complaint and i am so glad that allison is out there because i assume that at one point you start working with allison and you'd either gone so we're doing that work before her or she helped you with that work is that is that correct that's right. That's correct. I started um, not that much earlier before I met her. I started the journey of learning. What I realized I was codependent. So I started the journey of discovering what that was and gathering information and getting on an online program. And then as I was starting to uncover all of that, I met her shortly after. So I started working with her a few years ago and it really helped uncover just what the obstacles were in my own self that were I was getting in my own way of and how to kind of clear that path. And are you, did you write a chapter in, in one of the books? I did. I wrote a chapter in the first book and I have a chapter coming out in this coming book. Congratulations. That's very cool. Thank you. Thank you. And what, what is the chapters about? The chapter is about, it's basically the same thing. It's, it's what I'm talking about. Um, narcissistic abuse, but I highlight the scale of narcissism. So I won't give too many details, but it's kind of like you can be with somebody who is overtly narcissistic and a really horrible person, or you can be some, with somebody who's very covert and it takes years to figure out or anywhere in between. And I've been exposed to all of the above. <laughs> it may, and I hope Allison is working with you that you're not going to go uh, have another relationship with the same guy in a different suit. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. We're working on that. We are absolutely working on that. And you know what, Kevin, to be quite honest with you, I am really happy being single with my dogs. I am really happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 hey. No, I, I agree. With, I agree with you because, yeah. you know, as we as we get a little bit more seasoned um, yeah. and we start talking to people who are also a little bit more seasoned, there's a tremendous amount of baggage that we're all carrying around. Yes. 
Yeah. And unless unless you really are actively addressing your own baggage and are working to do and, and are doing the work, exactly. then you're going to end up in the, I, I keep dating my mother. So I'm, <laughs> I did that too for a long time. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really, I, I'm scared that the, and the, the next person is going to be like my mother only on steroids and I don't want to go there. Right. So, and that was the key point. What you just said, actively working on yourself. I find it to be almost a full-time job. So I don't, I mean, right now I'm, well on my healing path, but I'm still working so very diligently on myself. I don't want to say I don't have time for a relationship, but I just, I don't want to take that focus away from myself just yet. I want to really continue to do the work and focus on my sanctuary and the dogs and everything. Having what I'm starting here, running like a well-oiled machine until I feel comfortable. And then, then I'll think about it, but I like to keep things really simple. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I think that you are making a a wonderful imprint in the world mm -hmm. and are, are helping uh, dogs in, in such a way that the whoever, the, the divine God, whatever, they're shining their light down on you and saying, you go, girl, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Thank you, Kevin. I really feel that. I know that this is like, I mean, I was... I was nonstop. This is the first time why well, I sat down for a couple minutes at, at a couple hours ago, but this is really the first time I got to sit since 6 a.m. Like it was such a crazy day today. I woke up to no electricity at 6.30 this morning. And when the power goes out here, it is a big deal because it's so hot. And if you don't have a generator, I mean, I've got my dog out in the pool house. I've got two dogs in the house. So like it started with that, the AC froze once the power came back on the AC froze in the pool house. And then I had the plumber here and it would have been like it. So the old Karen or Karen in a different circumstance, I would have been so stressed out, but I knew this was all getting worked out for the dogs. And it was, it was fine. Like I just floated through it. Like, this is life on an island, you know, somebody hits a transformer. Oh, she'll be back in a second. Trust me. We're up on the mainland. I'm back. Yep. Yep, so, she's back. Yeah. So anyway, um, I, I just sailed through the day because I knew what I was doing. I, I basically worked in the sanctuary all day, working on details and getting things. And when you're doing what you love, it doesn't feel like work. Like I would still be out there. Thank God we had this interview because I had to take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> I was covered in paint earlier. So yeah, this is, this is great. But really when you, when you're doing your passion, it, the days, the hours, everything just flies by and it doesn't feel like work. And I love it so much. I can't imagine life without your passion. Um, and you're, you're experiencing the same thing. My time goes up by really, really fast because we are, and you are passionate about what you do, what you do makes a difference. And I think that's, that's part of the cool thing about following your passion. If it makes a difference and helps other people or helps other entities or other, uh, animals that are on the planet, it, it really, I think it's a higher calling. Don't you? I do. I really feel that. And, you know, I say that I solely work with animals, but when I get called to work with an animal, it's, it's usually about the human, you know, we project our stuff on them a lot. We have a lot of baggage, like you said. So I, I mean, I can't really say I don't work with humans anymore because all of my clients need just as much coaching and, and work, you know, cause it's usually about them. Um, but I, I do, I think it is a higher calling. I'm honored. I, um, you know, I assisted my father over the rainbow bridge. I was his hospice nurse back in 2009. Um, this time when my mom passed in April, I decided to bring in a hospice nurse. I said, you know what, I'm just going to be her daughter this time and let the hospice nurse take care of it. But, and I've, I've helped in my career. I have held the hand of I don't know, hundreds more than hundreds of humans as they died. And I just, you know, I felt like there was a very, um, 
I don't know if it's a gift, but I just had, I felt like I always had something to offer the families. So, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to be able to share that. And I, I think it's because I can stay very calm in the face of death. I, I've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over. So I could just stay very, very calm. I need to have you on the show to talk about that. Uh, and the, the reason is, is that death is such a mystery to most of us. Yeah. And, and it's such a scary moment in time. But there are signs. And if you've witnessed many, many people who have passed, then you've seen some of the signs that are, in my mind, irrefutable about, about where we're going and who's there to meet us and, and all of those things. Mm -hmm. If I could tell you a quick story that is that my, when my dad passed away, he had uh, cancer surgery, lung surgery, and then he had a brain bleed. And so he had, was a, a stroke that was continuing to get worse and worse. And they didn't operate on it because they weren't sure what anyway. Uh, so he lost, he lost the ability to speak. He lost the ability to swallow. And uh, which I can't imagine. That's just a horrible thing. Yeah. Uh, and he, he was partially paralyzed. And um, in, in his, his right arm, his, his hand didn't work anymore. And so he was lying there in bed. And my sister and I were, were standing there next to him. And he looked up and he looked at, at the, the TV was over there, but he looked over here and, and just at the, uh, at the ceiling, you know where I'm going with this and just at the ceiling. And, uh, he very quietly raised his hand, mm -hmm. but he couldn't point because yeah. his hand didn't work, but he raised his hand and started speaking, but he couldn't speak. So it was just yeah. kind of a little bit of a gibberish and stuff. I and love my, that. And my sister goes, she gets down by his face and she looks up and said, what are you looking at? Yep. And I knew because I'd worked with people and it's like, to me, my grandmother, my grandfather, his, his sister was there, yep. everybody that had crossed and they were excited about having him join them. And he knew yep. that. Yes. I can't tell you. I, I, it's hard to think of a human that didn't do the point. My mom did it. My dad did it. All the patients I've had did it. My brother did it. They point and they mumble. And I don't, you know, I'm not sure if it's loved ones, angels, guides, but it's, it's a joyful experience. And once they start pointing and fixating on a spot, we know we're getting close. And it's, and so if you translate that from the fear, negativity, where am I going? Am I going to heaven? Am I going to hell? Am I, where is, am I just going to be dead? And then just it's going to be dark and I got nowhere to get If we could translate that into it's a beautiful experience. We all go to the same place. It is our home. It is where we come from. And we're just returning home. And it's a beautiful. There's going to be a hell of a party that's, that's going to happen. Um, Absolutely. It, it would change how we view that, that whole situation. I agree. I agree because humans um, at end of life, they've already lost their logical sense. So they're not having, unless it's a tragic death, but if they're dying naturally or with assisted morphine, um, they that, that logical sense, the left brain is kind of shut down. So they're more in their right brain and they're more, you know, it's, it's open and the spirit is ready to leave and they're, you know, they're seeing things and it is very peaceful. I've never, I've never witnessed a human die naturally that went out in fear or distress. It was, you know, there's usually a smile at the end or just a really beautiful softening. Um, yeah, I, I, I I wish more people can understand that, but people just don't like to talk about it. And we have, in our culture, we have sanitized death so much. I know. So we have people 24 hours a day that uh, will come pick somebody up so that you don't have to uh, worry about moving them or do, you know. So they're, and then they're gone and you never see them again. And it's like they're on vacation or something. Uh, but it's, I'd like to talk more about that on another show because I, we've talked about so much here. You know that? I know there's a lot. We can just keep going on and on. 
We, we can, but um, let's talk about uh, Behind the Power, which is happening October 19th to the 21st. It's in Atlanta, Georgia. You can, But you can go virtually if you're anywhere in the world. Uh, you can do it via Zoom. I encourage you to go because um, the time that you're going to spend there is going to be really cool. You get breakfast and you get lunch, and, and it's going to be breakout rooms. It's going to be all kinds of good stuff. But the real magic is going to happen after 5 o'clock in the evenings when everybody is together in the hotel room. That's what I believe. For sure. <laughs> it's going to be great. Are you coming? I wish I could. I can't, but, okay. uh, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm working on sending my uh, associate who, um, and she's a beautiful, beautiful lady and she's had trauma in her life. I think it would benefit her greatly to do this work with you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to see her there. Her name is Holly, and uh, <laughs> we haven't made that decision quite yet to pull the trigger, but we're we're working on that. It's a lot of it depends upon. See, we're in Seattle, and you're in Atlanta, and I want to see how COVID is going to be doing because I don't want her on the airplane or where wherever to catch it and then have to be quarantined. You know what I mean? And oh, so, you're so you're trying to predict the future, is what you're saying? Exactly. I'm. I, <laughs> All right, Allison. I won't, I won't. Trying to predict the future where you lose is what Allison would say. Yeah, I know, and she's yeah. she's right. She's she's right. You would you you just channeled the perfect Allison, by the way. Yeah, I I I I knew that's what she would say had she been sitting in this where I am sitting right now. That's all right. Well, I, get to... I hope Holly can make it. I think that would be great, and I think she'll have so much. She'll it it will be life changing. It really I, I agree with you 100. percent And if and just the camaraderie with uh, all the women that will be there and and stuff, just just that connection that you guys men do not have that ability very often to have that connection male to male the way women have female to female. Uh, it's it's and I, I'm kind of am uh, uh, envious of that, quite frankly. Um, but it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Karen. And is, if somebody would like to, uh, um, contact you, give it, maybe give you some money or, or just, uh, just to talk to you in any way, how do they do it again? So my website is Peyton's promise sanctuary.org and it's Peyton's P A Y T O N S no apostrophe, all one word. Perfect. And um, you're going to be at uh, Behind the Power. And I'll be there in October. Do you know what day you're speaking? The third day. Oh, you're one of the headliners. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> Either that or they're hoping everybody's so tired by then that they won't. Get... No, I'm kidding. That's what I'm, I'm hoping. <laughs> you're going to do an absolutely remarkable job. Oh, and, thank you. And thank you're you awesome. That. And and again, you have carte blanche. I'm, you're going to get the the uh, uh, link next week that you can come on my show anytime you want to, and uh, because we've got we got more to talk about. We sure do. So great talking to you, Kevin. Thank you for having. It is, it is such a pleasure, and thank you everybody from uh, uh, behind the power that's been listening. And if you're not, you should be. Um, so I hope you you will take this opportunity go to allisonroberts.com or behindthepowerevent.com and you can pick up uh information and actually book your time there they even have for those of us that are long way out of way out of, out of town they you can book the same hotel that this is occurring in it's a four-star hotel it's a great hotel they got a, a swimming pool on the roof is for heaven's sakes and uh so you can book that, um, and you can book four days. So you can fly in on Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and fly out on Saturday. And they've got a special rate for that. So, so th that makes it very convenient and very easy. It does. <laughs> yes, indeed. Anything, by the way, oh, I almost forgot, doggone it. Um, I'm going to step aside for a moment and let you tell our audience, the ones that are listening now, and the many thousands that will be listening in the future. Don't be nervous to tell them anything that you'd like them to know? Hmm. Well, short and simple, don't give up. Just don't give up on yourself. Every day is a new opportunity to start again. Just have grace and keep moving forward. 
that is what I call authentic grit. You don't give up. Right. You you follow your passion, follow your heart, follow the the good things in in that you know that in life has given you mm -hmm. your friendships, your f fellowship, your your being kind to one another, all of those things, and your passion to become the best version of yourself that you can be. That's right. Karen Thomas, thank you so much for being here. It's been an Kevin. utter pleasure. Likewise. Thank you. So you wait right there. I'll be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to one another because each other's all we got.